0: A reading from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard and a reading from the New Testament in the book of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. In my first interim in Charlotte, the church was, and in fact still is, right across the street from the Presbyterian Hospital. One morning, a man stopped by the church. He had just been to the emergency room and had a couple prescriptions that he needed filled. Didn't have the funds, could we help him out? So I called the pharmacy, as I recall, The total bill for the two prescriptions was something less than $50. So we wrote a check directly to Presbyterian Hospital Pharmacy for the exact amount and sent him on on his way. And I almost broke my arm, patting myself on the back for the good deed that I had done for the day. That evening, I came back to church for a meeting, and as I neared the building, uncharacteristically, there were several people get, you know, men used to stand outside and smoke, but, you know, since we don't do that anymore for the most part, you know, there were men outside, and and it was uncharacteristic for that, and I thought, what in the world's going on? The closer I got, I noticed there was a bedraggled looking man sitting on the curb eating a piece of pizza. Martha, one of the associates, on her way to a meeting, and brought some pizza for the meeting, and had given this man a piece of pizza. The closer I got, it dawned on me it was the fellow we had given the prescriptions to, the money for the prescriptions that morning. His eyes were glassy and, and uh, glazed over. He'd taken too many of the pills that he'd gotten that morning. I was angry here. I'd let myself be hoodwinked into helping this guy. He couldn't even stand up by himself and said he needed to go to the bathroom. So two of us helped him into the bathroom only to find out later that he did that so he could take the rest of the pills that he had had left. We ended up calling EMS because we were fearful of a lethal overdose. And two weeks later, the church got a bill for $1,200 from EMS. How do we help and not hurt? How do we not enable destructive behavior with the limited resources that we have? And could that man, just could he, that man seeking money for prescriptions, could he possibly have been Jesus? That's one of the reasons I struggle with the Matthew text for this morning. It's not easy to decide what the right thing to do is in that kind of situation. And it's easy to become cynical. But Matthew, Matthew seems so sure. Seems so sure about what's right and what's wrong, who's blessed, who's cursed, And I get anxious about it. I try to figure it out so that when my time comes, I'm in the sheep category, not the goat category. You with me? So I make my list and I check it twice. I need at least one hungry person, one thirsty person, one stranger, one person needing clothes, one, one sick person, one prisoner, so I can supply in this order food, drink, warm welcome clothes, a hospital visit, and a prison visit, and then I can check the list. I'm a sheep. Not a goat. But the text's clear. That's not how it works. If we look... At the story, if you listened when Marilyn read it to us, there is no one more clueless about the verdicts rendered here than both groups, the sheep and the goats. When was it exactly the same words? When was it that we... When was it that we saw you? That's what both groups say to the king. The sheep don't know, they have no idea what they've done right, any more than the goats don't know what they have done wrong or not done. They're clueless. It's not calculated, it's cluelessness all the way around. The surprise for the sheep and the goats alike is not that Jesus is somewhere, but rather that he's everywhere. Jesus is present in everyone who crosses our paths. How are we to live then? How are we to get up every morning knowing that the least, the lost, the last, every pair of eyes that plead with us, asking for recognition, for time, for attention, belong to him, even our spouses, our children, our parents, our co-workers, and yes, even our enemies. problem is, for me, is that the Bible is not like the math books of my youth. The math books in school of my youth had the answer to every odd question in the back of the book. You know, at least I got a 50% on all the homework. Not so with the Bible. You and I are asked to wrestle with all of this, to struggle with it, to let it challenge us, to let it unsettle us, to make us more aware. The truth is that Jesus is so present with us that we have unlimited opportunities to see him, to serve him in ways that we don't know and don't imagine. Just in the everydayness of being faithful, of being present, of being available, of being open to persons who cross our paths. We can't throw a quarter in a cup, give a dollar to a person on the street, and mark it off our list. It simply doesn't work like that. It's clear. It's clear. Sheep know how to do what goats have never tried. Sheep treat each other as human beings instead of things. They value instead of use. The beginning point of all of this, of all of this, is to see the least, the last, the lost as our brother and sister. That's a place to start. And if we don't start, we never get there. Remember, remember, The goats are not condemned for doing bad things. They're condemned for doing nothing. Nothing. They wished no one harm. They simply didn't see any relationship between their lives and the lives of those around them. Did you notice the Scripture? Did you hear it? The sheep and the goats both speak in unison. When was it that we saw you? That reminds me I'm a part of a community. I'm a part of a community. Sometimes we can do things together that I cannot do alone. How many times have I missed Jesus? How many times have I missed Jesus? And turned the other way. I've failed to see, and I need the community. I need the community to help me see, to keep me accountable. We need each other to be God's faithful people. I count on your courage when mine fails. And I will do my best to stand in for you when yours runs low. We can hold each other up. And in times of anxiety, when we don't know who our next pastor is going to be, we can calm each other down and say the same God that has seen us for a hundred years will see us for the next hundred. Fear not. And we can welcome others into our fold. We can do this because we are one flock, tended and fed by the Good Shepherd. Thanks be to God. Bob Baker, in one of his books, reminds us that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Matthew Matthew, the tax collector, met Jesus on the street in Capernaum. John the Baptist met Jesus by the river and on and on and on. But Bob writes these words. I usually meet Jesus on Tuesday. On that day, I meet him at least 10 times. I don't meet him on the road to Damascus or the road to Emmaus. Instead, I meet him on Portage Lane. On Borough Place, on Bontrager Drive, and I meet him at the low cost housing on Pleasant Plain. Recently, I met Jesus at twenty six twelve De Camp Court. Such a lovely Jesus! Did you know that Jesus is black at twenty six twelve? But I have no trouble recognizing him. It's the only place on Tuesday where Jesus is not only black, but I see Jesus in double form. It's remarkable what you can see when you're older. But the Jesus I see at 2612 is a she. Not only that, but Mrs. Jesus is in a wheelchair. But that doesn't stop her from smiling. She always smiles and thanks me, and so does Mr. Jesus, who lives with her. Sometimes when I meet Mrs. Jesus in her wheelchair, I gently touch her hand and say a word or two. Do you say, that's not really Jesus? You say that the Salvation Army only delivers meals to people, people like me and like you. Did you say I mixed up and should get some help? See a psychiatrist? Sorry, I may need to see a psychiatrist, but I don't believe he or she can convince me that I don't see Jesus each Tuesday. You know, sometimes we're so busy, we're not paying attention that we don't recognize Jesus when we see him. And all the all the time, Jesus is standing right there beside us, sitting in a wheelchair, lying in a sick bed, and we don't see him. We don't even see him. And you know, that's part of what we call the deacons of our church to do. We ask them to always be on the lookout for Jesus. We ask them to help us see Jesus when we're at our very, very best, but also at our very, very worst. And you know, if we can do that, if we can see Jesus in each other, we'll have conflict. But it won't be a killing conflict. It will be a hopeful, helpful conflict. Constructive conflict. Well, will you see Jesus?